0: Welcome Erica, it's so good to have you here. We're going to talk about all things from veganism, motherhood, and the Pennsylvania German Cultural Heritage Center in Cooktown, for which I have met you there, that's where we met, and um, it, I know it's a big part of your life right now and it's been a big part of my life for the last couple of years, so welcome.
1: Thank you. and. Um, I'm excited. I think I'm going into, I started um, at the Heritage Center doing an internship for Dr. Donner in the Pennsylvania German Studies minor. Um, And now I've been a student worker or associate there for um, two years. Uh, Like, I think I'm entering the third year. So it's pretty neat. That's
0: incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. You're kind of on the trajectory of all the people that I know that have influenced me so much over there, being um, Amanda Richardson and Patrick Dunmoyer and sort of all those fellows that have or uh, people that have really influenced me. Yeah, they were the first ones that sort of like we we started vending with and it was really powerful. So I have a lot of love for the Heritage Center and I didn't start off our interview kind of talking about um well,
1: first of all, the way we met—I guess we met dinner, right? Um, because you so were probably helping I, out. While we were I think I uh, I met you at the folk festival in two thousand and seventeen, and I think okay. that we met under the Heritage Center tent. Um, gotcha. And I had met everybody there because I was in the very very early planning stages of the exhibition. And I was networking.
0: Yeah, I couldn't remember what year that was because I know last year I didn't really attend much because I was at home with my kids a lot. So it's like, what year did we get each other through the focus? And I
1: think it might have been 2018 where we were sharing food. But sharing (laughs) vegan food was definitely yeah, I'm pretty sure. And yes, and. Um, oh my goodness. I don't want to forget to tell the story of like, so how I even not, not only how I came to be a student in Kutztown, but how my family um, first came to the Folk Festival. Uh, So I found a picture from 1971 of my mother and my aunt at the Kutztown Folk Festival and my family's from Baltimore. So I was surprised and (laughs) My mother told me a story about my grandfather wanting to take the family there because they heard Pennsylvania Dutch was just like Yiddish. And so they wanted to go. They went. Um, So we have like these nostalgic photos of my mother and my aunt at the Folk Festival. (laughs) And then my mother saw, uh, she's pretty sure it was Ivan Hoyt and Johnny Claypool like, vending there. And she was like, this is amazing. I want to take my kids here sometime in the future. And then she ended up finding a job teaching there, like, years later. And I ended up going and becoming a student. And I remember being a child and going and seeing, specifically, going into the barn and seeing Ivan Hoyt's work. And uh, (laughs) just, like, his... The, the distinct colorful contrast in his I- iconic work. So I feel like my my Kutztown or in life in general is kind of like a full circle experience, you know? That's for sure.
0: I do know. Yeah, that's so funny too. It's so funny because you mentioned Baltimore and I lived there for a couple of years and it was like a very cool moment in my life. Um, I guess I was like 20 or like 19 through 25 or so. Baltimore is a very. Twenty five now, so yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It was very cool. So that's the only other place I've lived outside of Pennsylvania. That's but awesome. um, yeah, it was a really neat experience. Where in
1: Baltimore are you from? Um, so my family is primary, primarily from like Pikesville area, Owings okay. Mills, Pikesville. Yeah, So yeah. I'm. That's also like I consider my my second home. But um, wow. yeah, I've. Uh, I remember also we bonded. I want to say it was at a heritage center event because uh i remember talking about the cultural sustainability at goucher and that was a grad program i was looking into and it's kind of also yeah. in our niche interests yeah.
0: yeah that's super cool i love that so you are in the grad program now at christmas
1: yes i'm uh studying for masters in arts administration so Oh, that's um, so exciting! Yes. Yeah, I couldn't and remember. I'm, my memory's very bad, Erica. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like it's through art education and business, yeah. but it's in the arts and crafts. So, um, it's yeah. a Dr. Romansky is my advisor, but um, I've oh. I've been pretty like independent when it comes to like I still have been working on my Pennsylvania German um research that I started in my undergrad stuff through my grad that's program, cool. so that's been amazing. That's
0: so cool, yeah. I love that about Cliff grad program. I actually started as art ed and transferred to communication design, but under art ed, I had so much freedom to design my own, basically, my own studies, and it was really cool, because it gave me the time to do the research, but also getting the credit. And that's really cool. I think that program started while I was still there, and I was really excited about it. It sounded really neat.
1: That's very- And exciting. I know, I know, um, I, so like, it's funny, I majored in anthropology in my undergrad, but my first real anthropology class was at a community college and I, I just didn't click with it. And then I took it at Kutztown and I clicked a lot. So, um, and I also think I saw an opportunity for the local folk studies. And mm-hmm. like, I, I know a lot of people who um, study anthropology end up doing like, um, like international field work or having to travel to do field work and i think that um i didn't want to be in a classroom studying something foreign when there was like a rich opportunity and i like i approached dr donner saying i want a minor in pa german studies because they go together (laughs) you know so um i think i kind of made him my mentor a little bit
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's good, because I've said that, too. It's so funny you mentioned that, because we have a similar um, story as far as, when I studied communication design at could you know, I was going in as, like, an older student. I guess I started at, like, I don't even know, 34 or whatever, but I wanted to keep it very local and make design work for the folk, like, the Pennsylvania Dutch folk or the, or the um, regional folk, and they were so, like, I had a lot of pushback a lot of pushback from many professors. I had a couple that really supported me, but it was really kind of um, daunting. They did not want me to like do anything Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania at all. So I'm really glad to hear that, you know, you got support in that experience because I remember thinking like, this is bananas. Like, this is like the place
1: and you know- Well, it, it, Dr. Donner will say that I'd never asked him for advice ever. <laughs> But that's just because I did what I thought he wanted in the first place, and he liked it anyway. Sometimes
0: you need to help, Sometimes you need to help them out and, and figure it out for yeah. them and lead them into what they actually need yeah. to be doing. Yeah, I love Dr. Donner. Donner was very um very kind and charitable to me as well because I don't know if it's public knowledge, but my thesis Professor Kate Clare is Dr. Donner's partner. I don't know how they would want to phrase it. You know, but um, I, I think they're people.
1: technically girlfriends. I don't know if anything's developed. I haven't we haven't gossiped in a while. <laughs> oh no, really. <laughs> I
0: know it was like top secret information
1: when I was going there. She's Don't tell me they, the, they came to the exhibition together and I saw them kiss. Oh, that's
0: so <laughs> great. I love them together so much. So just really quickly I'm curious because you're also a mom so you, your son huh. just celebrated the first day right Yeah. so one thing that that kind of that when I first met you I was I was sort of like oh like a very eager like student and student worker of the temple but you know like we hear a lot you know you hear a lot of people with great and I was like really cool, this works out but then I saw you do the hard work and I was super impressed because there's like so many people that have these great ideas, especially when they're in school and getting a lot of support and it just never comes into fruition. So I was super impressed. And I actually went back and looked at a comment that I said, I'm on one of the posts for the exhibition. I mean, like your drive and your determination it was so wild and and so it's so incredibly inspiring. And I was just like, wait a second. Like I kept getting no's all the time from the people at Cookstown for anything to me us. And I was like, Go ahead, Erica, and get those yeses. And I was super impressed. In fact, I knew the woman who who was the owner of the, of the X House, and she said, no, we don't do Pennsylvania it's Like, it's still played out. And I was like, I was so excited to see this. We,
1: we do the name. The name of our gallery is Pennsylvania Dutch, but we don't do that and, um, here. That's funny. So crazy. That's crazy.
0: But I want that. It took, like, so... I know. So, I had been, like, sort of around for maybe about, like, five years or so, because we had moved from Philly. So, I'm, like, a displaced Pennsylvania person as well. Like, I had grown up somewhere totally different. But, I mean, the last show we had seen there that was themed in in any kind of, like, Pennsylvania perspective was um, Patrick and Eric hexed in the city, and I was pregnant with my daughter. So, it must have been, like, she's going to be eight. So, they're, like, eight years. When, when we started the show, and, like, and just, I was like blown away. You got, you got Hunter and I. which thank you for including us. Sometimes we just played. But um, you had Ivan Point, Ben Radar, Patrick Dunmoyer, Christian Schuster, correct? From the collection that I think Eric has, right? Eric Claypool, And am I missing anybody? Am I missing
1: anybody? Um So I had some loaner pieces. He had um, Eric loaned me his father, Johnny, his brothers, his Again. daughter, his his knee, and then. Uh, we can't forget the school district element so we yeah. had the third graders in the kutztown and greenwich elementary yeah. the eighth graders at the middle school and then we had the select high school students so big shout out to um Donna hill cheney chris yeah. <laughs> uh, chris yeah. at the middle school and then ben hoffman um, at the high school, they were all Chris Turk, yeah that's her last name. They were all like I think like like you said, people had to say yes, and like it was so many moving parts and um one one thing that stood out uh after the HEC exhibition was um the workers said that it was the most well received and well attended opening that they had seen and some years which was very encouraging to me but also just um i i said i was a little bit afraid that it would just like be a bust because it was kind of like people were counting on me i mean between you hunter and then all of the other folk artists we mentioned like thousands of dollars of art that people are trusting me with and that was a lot of pressure and my first time like curating like a gallery show and also it was a fundraiser for the anthropology club so um patrick i was like i was afraid it was kind of going to be like like not a thing and he was like yeah it was great and what made it like great was that like you brought so many people together and it was like for other people And so I think him saying that, like, I've kind of made him my mentor as well. And he's my boss. (laughs) (laughs) So we're supposed to learn from those people. But um, (laughs) just like, uh, kind of, yeah. I hope, hey, pa- shout out to Patrick, if you were listening to this. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and shout out to Naomi and all of the That's lovely people course. at the Heritage yeah. Center and volunteers who That's do very hard work. Amazing. But um, just a teachable moment that like going into it before it happened, he said, collaboration will make your ventures like so much more successful. Like the more people you know, and I've picked up on like how important networking is through my academic and professional experience. And then that point was like, if I try to think about how many people I can help while I'm doing my work and also like making it meaningful to me, then it will be just like a much more successful and well embraced thing. So I, I'm yeah, just sure. trying and also like, um, I know we talked about like, um, some of the things that I've written about, like, um, aside from Pennsylvania German stuff, um, some interesting things that Dr. Donner and I, um, would debate about, like, I write about some feminist and Jewish issues, and that's yeah. something that I've been starting to embrace, and something that, uh, Dr. Donner, and, um, I don't know if you know Dr. Corey Newlander, um, no, no. I I asked him, I asked, is it like, um, is it ethnocentric for me to want to go into Jewish studies? And he's like, no, like, that's your culture. And also, sure. like, it's a minority, it's an ethnic and cultural minority. Yeah. So I've also kind of like, through coming out of my undergrad and into my grad have kind of like, Started exploring my own cultural studies and where that fits into my journey.
0: That's super cool. And just uh, piggybacking off of what you said about the exhibition and just stacking goals upon goals upon goals. I was so impressed with that because I was like, wow, there's so many layers to this exhibition. And being an art teacher, I was like, she's got the kids involved. Like I was super excited to see that. And and I know when you had first first exhibition in an email, you had mentioned that, um,
1: geez, where is it? Oh, the there. quote. I love that quote. And, and um, by the not- way, it it just said my internet is a little unstable, so I'm sorry that okay. I cut out okay. at all. No, that's
0: okay, my internet's super unstable, so it's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, it was a part when you were talking about the underlying theme would be, um, Sustainability too, it took me so hard, and I was like, this girl, there was just such a force and such a vision, and it was like, I know how hard that organization has has to have been, and it is very very difficult. But um, I was just very very impressed. And I know you had some people um helping you out, the anthropology club, I believe, and also the folks at the heritage center were helping you out. Um, but it was just so cool, your vision came into into fruition, and then it's just it's like watching. You since I've met you and just watching the path you're taking, it's really exciting to see that shift. Cause I know my grad work was very dear to me. Like you kind of have to get the bones when you're an undergrad and then you get to the grad stuff and that's the really good stuff. So I'm excited to hear about what direction you're going in. That's super exciting. And I will say it's funny because the um, what do they call that? The intersection, because I started as, you know, um a fine artist, sex positive feminist. And then you go into folklore folk art and the Pennsylvania Dutch culture and you're like, whoa, you know, because you're hit with some, I always call it machismo, but that's a Spanish word, it's not the right word for it. But, you know, there's some, there's some work to be done there. But i um, getting back to something that I mentioned about you being a, a mother. It's interesting because I found that my interest in cultural studies or finding particularly my own connection to my culture um, came after I had my first child. And I was working with a man named Papcon Astorio, and he is a an artist based out of Pennsylvania based out of Philly. And he he had us like completely immersed in the Puerto Rican culture in Philly. And I remember us sitting around the table and during class and him saying, So what's your connection to your culture to each student? And I was literally blank and like, Oh my god, this is like a moment here that I need to reach out and find like where my roots are because you know, you can connect to other cultures and it can feel very, very good and you get like this warmth from it, but there's something about connecting to um, to your own heritage and your own like roots that the field is so powerful. So that's exciting to see happen. So do you feel like you have sort of a good method for study now since you went through the undergrad and you can kind of transition that?
1: Yeah, so it's so interesting. And I feel like, again, like everything in my life is so Full circle, and like I, and I, that's probably why I was so attracted to anthropology and sociology, and just like finding those connections and the worldly holistic um, experience. And um, one thing I forgot to mention is that I've continued working with the anthropology and sociology department by supplemental instructing and tutoring for them. So um, I'm also an hourly employee for the university in that way. Um, and I, I find that that keeps me like, I, cause I do have a strong interest in continuing the academic route. And um, I think, so, so like I grew up attending uh, Hebrew school and shul and synagogue. Um, through Chabad in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I still take my son there. He's in the Hebrew school there. Um, so I've always had a strong sense of self and knowing that no matter what changes, I'm Jewish, but right. like there's always pushback, and I'm sure you're aware in r- rural Pennsylvania, um, yeah. even like um, Ethnic, cultural, and religious diversity—it's something that hasn't been immersed in a lot of people's regiments. Right. It hasn't been immersed in their even public schools, and even the parents might have pushback if that's something you know. Um, and I found, like you said, finding our place and our path through our grad work. Um, I thought I was going to be going into museum curator or directorship and maybe I'll still end up doing that, but I have a lot of interest in going into, like, education policy now and, like, working to write and, like, um, I know think tanks hire for people who are um, passionate about research, and I'm, like, very diligent and detailed when it comes to doing the research, which has made me pretty successful in bringing together some of my past projects so even though it's kind of like maybe not necessarily a museum or the cultural job i had envisioned before it's just like a more macro so i but i think um doing this work will make my like having this experience and knowing the in the classroom or the direct service or the community and civic engagement stuff at this level will make, like, be a perspective that will give me an edge in the macro stuff.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. It's so funny because, you know, well, you're, like, on a fast track, because I was, I guess, geez, when I graduated, I was, like, 38. So you're, like, on it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a shame because it's like, it took me a long time to get there where I felt like I did not have that connection. So I'm really excited to hear that. Um, I think it took having my daughter and like wanting that for her because I think I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't have that anchor. Like you're talking about, you always have your identity. Like you always know, no matter what happens, but you have it. I did not, I didn't feel that. And and I guess that's why I grabbed so hard for it. But um, what was I gonna say? It's interesting because um, I think I think what's really cool. Oh, I know what I was going to say. One of my professors in art education said to us once, if you don't see the job you want, you got to create it. You go out and you create that job. And I feel like that's sort of what you're talking about. And that's sort of what I've kind of done as well. And it's like, I feel, what is your sign? I'm curious.
1: I'm a Pisces. I'm the last day of Pisces. Oh, yeah. okay. March 20th
0: yeah very driven and I was curious about that because a lot of people that I've been interviewing keep asking about astrology and I haven't thought about it in a long time it took me a very long time to get very focused too but it seems like you have that in your personality you're very focused and you know
1: I'm when you get yeah I and I'm I'm afraid I feel like um like I'm driven by my dreams, like I'll have a dream about something and then that will inspire my real life. So I like, like I've had dreams about like before the exhibition and like Patrick was giving me instructions to walk up a ladder and, and no, but they were like teaching me telepathy. (laughs) And so like, just like finding meaning. And I think also just like um I'm maybe I come off as confident but I'm definitely an anxious person (laughs) so (laughs) um no but just like um I I also think that like sort of like we all have different personal or stuff that we try to work into like we're creating our own jobs and um something I wanted to mention that I've Try doing that i've kind of taken a pause on since corona um has started is uh i had an idea i'm a medical cannabis patient and there's so much waste involved in like tubes and glass jars and i've begun collecting them to recycle into functional judaica and art so like for instance the tubes can become Like mezuzah cases, which are like prayer scrolls on the doors, and the glass jars can be like charity boxes. And like, I did a craft with my son and our friends, and we made the little triangles that some of the pods come in into little cookies for a holiday and they're shakers because that's part of the cultural tradition. So it's like cultural sustainability (laughs) to another level. But also yes. like recycling and yes. my culture and me seeing like a environmental, like we're vegans and I'm sure like you're vegan probably for ethical health, but maybe also yes. like my environmental reasons. Yes. So yes. Yes. it's just like, I'm not sure where that will go but and hopefully I'll have more right. time to work with that in the future, but also yes. I wanna finish my work um, at the grad program and also keep doing work with the heritage center because there's so much pumpernickel bill stuff it's yeah well it's
0: funny eric i'm a person that's sort of like you except maybe a little less focused but i don't know but i guess what's the best maybe a little bit older than you is like you're still you planted that seed and it's still in your garden you may not be able to give it the attention it needs now but it's still there and you will be able to come back to it there are things that i planted i don't know 15 years ago that i can come back to and it's very exciting still so don't forget you know you can't you can't take care of all of the garden all at once sometimes one plant like your grad program needs all the attention but that seed is still there and it's very exciting because you have so much time
1: you have your whole life ahead of you, you know? i, so it's very I keep for i keep forgetting i'm not grown <laughs> <laughs> you're surrounded by probably so
0: many older people it's funny it's funny I have a friend, my friend Dylan. He went to grad school with me, but he was ten years younger than me. And I was like, he just went right from just like you went right from undergrad right to grad, and and I was like, wow, like it was so neat to have his perspective. But it was also like a reminder, like, look, you have so much more time than we do. Like that ten years, so much has happened. Like you're gonna have so much like incredible stuff to do. And if you just, you know, like not talking the garden thing but I mean it's very exciting to hear about that because I feel the same way as you and, and what happens to me though is there's a tension between the things that I'm interested in so it's like I grew up very punk rock teen right or like super like sex positive feminist. I call myself because you know there's all kinds of feminists and, uh,
1: and, I, and I'm know, not like, down with the, the I'm not down with the turfs and the and the surfs no yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> I'm just like,
0: leave me alone. I like sex a lot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but that's like a really old lady thing to say, sex positive. <laughs> but um, You know, it's funny because where the things cross each other, um, sometimes there's a lot of tension there for me. And I just have gotten to a point where I'm like, you know, and Patrick and I have uh, had a lot of conversations between our age and we grew up very similarly, like he has this- big punk rock background you know and um, we'll get into the conversation on how it's so hard to navigate and I always say to him like Patrick you do it so like flawlessly how you how you walk the tightrope between these people and these people and like how they can like really butt heads and I just like I just have a hard time with that still (laughs) I know I corner or like talking my face off (laughs)
1: Um, Well, no, I'm completely there and I had a conversation with him probably about like the same thing, like I don't want to necessarily compartmentalize everything, like why can't we just lay it all out there and I, uh, but also uh, he's my boss and I think that that's good advice to be able to compartmentalize things. Um, like if and when it's appropriate but yeah, also to, like we, yeah things are changing things like societal standards are blooming yeah. and if we're afraid to like put ourselves out there in certain ways like I, like my bosses know I'm a medical cannabis patient and maybe five years ago, I would have not told my bosses. Even a year ago, I didn't. But Dr. Donner said, green Judaica is a good idea. You should start that. So I started it and Uh, you know, so like we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, things definitely are
0: changing and it's like, you don't have too much of those interactions that really like push you back, but. I just had just enough of them that I got to a point where I was, I was literally, I only come into Clipsetown for the Heritage Center at this point, because I'm just like, I can't, it's just, it's such, it's such a strange place, because it's like, we're all like these super liberal professors, like live and, and raise their families and, and teach, and then you have all these super old folks. That are very cool and awesome and then you have like old school folks that are not as cool and awesome and then you have all these young people running around it's just so interesting
1: it's just a really interesting some, of, some of the young people are like peace love and happiness and yeah. here we're growing our organic produce and some of the young people yeah. are like get, get the f off my lawn or i'm gonna shoot yeah. you with my <laughs> 40 cents yeah like, exactly exactly you know. yeah yeah it's like um, a, i mean like i've talked about it before with people
0: it's a culture shock for me because I grew up near Philly, super diverse community, and my mom took us there because she grew up here on purpose for that reason, and then coming here as an adult, it's kind of weird because it's like, oh, like I never experienced this kind of like, um, I mean, you know, you know, I've experienced a lot of stuff, but it's just a different kind of cultural experience for me, although it's changing, which is very good news, but I think what you mentioned about compartmentalizing, is very important knowing i'll go back to like what one of my sons therapists said it's like you choose your battles but the ones you choose you need to win and i will say that 100 percent about what you're going to stand for and what you're going to be because i i always talk about i don't lay everything out there because um if i put out like my politics and and my religious beliefs it could it could affect my business to be honest with you you know and it's really difficult um because i have collectors from all different backgrounds but there are certain things that are just absolutely no go, and I'm like drawing the line in the and I will fight, and I will win that fight, and you're just not going to get me to back off. So I mean, I think you have to decide what are your things that are just like, you know, they talk about ethical design. The same thing with any kind of any kind of um, any kind of work that you do, you need to do it with your ethical compass and what you feel like is a no go, absolutely. But that's really exciting to hear that you can share that information with people, and there's not like this judgment because. I think that shows the growth in our society and it's, it's good news well and I think
1: I think my openness to share it goes with some time so yeah. maybe people uh uh conceptions about what that means is different based on their history with me or their uh view of me and my work like um and like, they see that I'm able to follow through and do meaningful work and also, like, Boy, be on time, right. <laughs> go, you know, um, but, and kind of, like, combat, right. and that's the other thing, like, combating the sti- stigma, not only, like, within the professional world, but even um, just, like, within, like, Judaism as a religion, within um, the Jewish culture, um, there's a certain stigma about cannabis just based on the recreational use and just reintroducing and reorienting to the people this idea like this is a medicine or this is something that can be used instead of something else or this can be dosed individually sure. instead of and, and so just um the way we and i think that's something also that has the grad program um in arts administration has helped me with like Um, We talk a lot about civic engagement and just like you said, ethical design and stuff. And so when we, the way we frame things is really important. And so like sometimes Uh like this is a place where we have something to speak or this is an issue that impacts us uh, enough personally that we feel (laughs) like we can take it on ourselves. But also at times where it's just like- Um, taking a step back or reevaluating or also making a decision that this isn't something that I can interweave into my business or profession or yeah.
0: Right yeah it's funny because I'm you know there's another really good quote that I kind of try and live by it's like I don't reason with unreasonable people and I think that's from Tyler Perry I think I know he talked about his dad and he just said you know, you have to understand, like, this is just a not reasonable person, and I'm just not going to reason with an unreasonable person, and I try to think about that so much, because especially when it gets into, like, politics or religion or, like, you know, the the, the things that are going with race matters, things like that, if you're coming at this already super unreasonable, I am not going to change your mind. I'm going to continue living my life and being a great model for my kids and, like, their future and investing in in growing that, and growing this understanding and and acceptance, and love instead of like arguing with somebody who's obviously irrational and and. But I mean, I'm an old, I'm an older lady too. So I just
1: like I've argued No, I, no and I, <laughs> I like I can't take on internet battles. That's too, I don't have enough spoons to deal with that. You know? No, uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: no. Who has time for that? Trolls? Yeah, I mean, trolls must really not have much time. I mean, not much time. They must have way too much time on their hands. And who has time for it? To be honest, not me. I'll tell you that. I even said to Hunter today, somebody was asking about a piece, and I was like, I know, I got to know this person because they're they're like um you know they'll common a lot and stuff, but you get a feeling like is this worth investing time? Are they are they actually interested, or is this like they're sitting around with nothing to do and think I have nothing to do because I have like eight thousand things to do right now. <laughs> So it's funny because it's just like that and I just feel like that's sort of how I try and do things. But I do find Patrick extremely diplomatic. So I think it's really good to be, you know, working with him and see how that works because at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't know if you're you're younger than I am, but SLC Punks, have you seen the movie? <laughs> Okay, good, so I'm not that old. but it's funny because I always think of that, like, when I became a teacher, I was like, well, how can I be an activist and make, like, a real change, and I thought, well, teaching seems really smart, you know, but that was before I got into public school and saw the bureaucratic course craft, you know, but I always think about that, and he and I talked about that, about getting into the system to change the system, and I think that's sort of what you're talking about is, like, you know, like, you know, you make these these small changes that push and push and push further people in a direction you want them to go and just seeing, like for instance when I was growing up like sexuality was was really thought of way differently than it is now I mean I think there's still like obviously bigotry and hatred but I think there's a far greater acceptance than when I was growing up and that's really exciting to see and like hope hoping that 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 continues in our society for these for these things that people are so small-minded about still continue to grow and, um, and to reach, reach better outcomes of like understanding, you know? So I'm hopeful, but
1: (laughs) I, I, I totally agree. And I'm sure you can tell just like from my career goals that like, I'm a pretty open-minded, um, and like, I, I have personal views, like, based on my own religious beliefs or ethical or moral beliefs, but I I also um, try to, like, that's one area where Patrick has definitely um, helped me and mentored me in being diplomatic and responding to these things, because I like, I've definitely had personal growth in my reactivity to responding to things, but also just um, understanding that like uh, shaming people or like talking down to people is not an effective way to communicate new ideas and just like even like not only within a pedagogical classroom teaching sense but like personally when we're interacting with people and like deciding maybe I can't work in a museum and have these inter like day-to-day interactions and finding a career where the large that's the larger goal and the (laughs) day-to-day is with people who are also consistent with those values and um but also like i i haven't lost complete desire to work with objects like i love my work with the heritage center um and right now i'm working with a collection of zinc plates and um it's really cool because i've had the ink and pen comics from pumpernickel bill and was working and researching them for a while um and i through quarantine i was able to get through all of the years and um now we have these um metal plates at the heritage center they're the heritage centers and it's my first like solo conservation project and um, I'm wow. going to do a conservation brief. So it's really cool getting to mesh my work with the Heritage Center with stuff awesome. I'm learning in Arts Admin.
0: That is so cool.
1: That's very exciting. Oh, well, you're such an asset to them now. That's so cool to see the growth, you know. <laughs> uh, very thank nice. thank you for saying that. Yeah. No, that's absolutely, like, yeah. It's mean, least... like La- Last week, I uh, told Patrick how somebody uh, from the Goucher program told me uh, it, that I was so lucky to be working under Patrick because he's like a leader in the field, and yeah. he was like, "I'm a leader in their in their field." <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you for telling me. <laughs> what a silly guy! <laughs> you know, that's the biggest part. It's like in your, it's like your day
0: to day. It's like. You know, we both know Patrick puts up with a lot. You know, he does. He puts yeah, up with a lot, yeah. and it's very hard. Not only, not only does he navigate between the community and like people visiting, but he's also navigating all the professors and in the school. Once from him, it's not like you guys are singularly your own entity. You work with the school as well, and all these different programs and book fest and all these things going. But and for some think- reason,
1: it's the academic division or something yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah.
0: but i do think sometimes you forget like your accomplishments and i'll do that sometimes and i'll be like i'll be taken back if somebody like it actually kind of freaks me out but i'm a super introvert i don't think patrick's quite like that but i'll be like whoa this is like what are you But then just, I think with Patrick, he runs at a fast speed too. And it's like, you're just going forward, 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 forward. And it's like, you forget like all this incredible work he's done. And just knowing him for as long as I have, I've seen such a huge change and, and such incredible growth at the Heritage Center. Because when we started going there, I guess Henrietta was just born, so eight years ago, right? So like there's some shifts in like people had come and gone, but what I saw he and Amanda and then he and Naomi do with the Heritage Center is incredible and it's become this really great place for people to go and visit. And it's both encouraging to contemporary people that know nothing about the heritage or the heritage, about the culture or um, the regional context. Like anybody can go there and learn so much and it's so welcoming and so so encouraging to everyone. And uh, I just love, love the center so much, but I think what he's he's done an incredible amount of work to, to get it to that point. Um, we weren't really around for before that, but I've just heard things about, you know, it was it was kind of like falling apart in the, the the university was thinking about like kind of cutting it off which is really sad so I'm really glad well, to I,
1: see. I think the real turning point was um it had always been an academic component like with yeah. and like connection to the folk festival and really um made the integrated academic experience and like continued that and Um, I think something that Patrick did, um, I, I'm, I know Dave Veluska, um, was a big part in getting the Heritage Center going. And he had a more historical perspective, which is almost essential to setting up like a, um, Heritage Center or Historical Society or any museum, you have to have a background in history and investigate but um i know don yoder was the father of american folk life studies and so folk life kind of branched off between history and folklore and and then made it more like an anthropological thing so i think really uh, having patrick become a, the director allowed the folk life studies to really come through and now they're um continuing doing the historical stuff and the preservation but also like figuring out new ways to engage and so i think yeah. having that like um it was like a turning point and kind of like somebody also who's passionate and maybe like i know the university probably saw him as an asset and a, potentially somebody who would grow with them so i think that's definitely what's happened Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it's hard because I'm really grateful that they did, so grateful for that, and I'm grateful that you're getting the support you need, and I really wish there would have been some more potential for communication design departments to work with the Pennsylvania German Studies, and I hope, I'm hopeful for that, but I've always said, and I said this to Patrick a million times, like, why is there not a folk art program, like, even just one class, I like, would in this department it would be so incredible. I know I, you probably
1: feel the think that is so yeah silly. it's so incredible. Well and and so like that's kind of like where my thoughts are like I I see Pennsylvania yeah. German culture like so going back to the exhibition thing um yeah. like it was so successful and Uh, So many people had so many different things that they got out of it, like the anthropology club, we raised like $300, which was a big deal for that semester and used to buy things for the club or save for the club. And um, then we had the student, the anthropology students who I offered the experience to like sit and go guide or help hang the work, which is like, Um, The anthropology professors acknowledged this is experience that is meaningful if you want to work at an art gallery or a museum in the future. Um, And it's like a volunteer experience, but it's also like a mutual (laughs) experience. And then the folk artists. um, Obviously, the opportunity to potentially sell things, but also just like a community engagement piece and also a attractive show that they would want to be part of you know like this is happening at eck house on main street it's going to be like bringing all of the artists together this is something we all want to do um and i got lucky enough (laughs) that most of you wanted to do it i really wanted chrissy kent to be part of it but eric subbed in one of hers uh and i know she she only does it on the side um and kind of maybe took a break. So I know that influenced um, that. And then um, I think also the school district just wanting, we went also the anthropology students went into the school with me and we delivered the middle school um, a series of Uh, like it was basically like a presentation and then a little quiz to open up the activity and they actually painted on recycled um, vinyl records. So it was just yeah, it was it was like a layer and Chris Turk suggested the idea and I was like, yes, and she did they did the tints and the shades. So um, and Eric Claypool's niece was actually in the middle school, one of the middle school classes so hers was hung separately with her families so it was just um everybody had something going out of it and i think that that's hopefully what i'm trying to do like for my um i don't know if i mentioned like um i've written for dr donner when i took his theory class i wrote about um the phenomenon of ancestry dna testing and those types of services yeah. and how there's a really big cultural gap in education and and like we can't necessarily sell people ethnicity we have to like mm. sell people the test and they can take the test but we also have to contextualize that and give more information right. because right. like for instance you and hunter you all have connections to your cultural identity and there are also resources around that you're actively engaging with like um the heritage center the folk festival or even even just like any you know the plethora of of historical societies around here um but the average person who might not know their family history or who might have like all these breakdowns and then choose to like pick up the most They might not necessarily even know how to interpret the DNA test, let alone the culture and cultural rifts and cultural, like, you know, it's just based on populations that we were reflecting from from before. So the best is actually using written records, which like the Heritage Center has the genealogical library, which is like a very big asset at the heritage center and also a very attractive thing for people who are looking to explore their studies and have more like concrete evidence and who might not want to pay for like um ancestry or newspapers.com or do all of the work themselves so i think um part of my passion for wanting to go into um like education policy is like also like How can we make sure that companies or um, services that are like capitalizing on culture, giving people reliable information or giving them all of the information rather than selective bits?
0: Yeah, that's super powerful. That's so funny. That's very powerful. And when I was going to school for art education, I was a Tyler, so I graduated 2011. Um, There was a lot of emphasis during my time going to school, which I went to school for like 10 years on and off, but um, there was a lot of emphasis on, um, what the heck did they call it? Um, Just multi, oh, I know what it was. Multicultural education, right? So multicultural art education. But the thing that always frustrated me, Erica, is like, they had you like survey all these different cultures in your art class but then they never said and after you surveyed all these cultures and these kids have this knowledge about how these different cultures translated their art um then you have them look inside and what's your culture and what speaks to you and your culture and research what's the art of my culture there was never this like full circle moment like you spoke about where it was like you surveyed all these different cultures and how they work but then look into yourself and what what do you want to learn about yourself and then like that sort of becomes like like the um what do they call that oh i'm blanking but anyway that becomes like the thread to carry you forward and sort of make more connections so i think that's a really good point point. and i've never done the ancestor dna thing because i'm
1: like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> like no thing. Oh, no it belongs to the mormon church you, you you will pay the mormon church to take your dna i am not well, giving the mormon good. church <laughs> my dna no, honey. Uh uh-uh, uh, nope. I don't want to have a little Rachel
0: walking no. around in Utah somewhere. But no, no, I think it's really it's really valuable because I always said, like when I was doing the books and stuff and I would do a school visit, I would say like this is just sort of a model or a map of like how I saw that I wanted to learn more about this culture and I went and did research, but you can use it in any culture you're in. I said you can do it regionally, you can do it like if you're into skate skateboard culture or like pump culture, like but I always felt like that, there was something really missing from the education that I got about educating. And I think that's a really good point in that, like, you need to give context and you need to give people the tools. Like, here's a map or a template for how you can connect your culture or this culture that you're interested in. Like, here's how you can find information. Because it's really fascinating that you say that. Like, I'm half Pennsylvania Dutch and half Welsh. So I don't know sh- anything about my Welsh site because it's, I don't live near Wales. It's very hard to... To connect to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people aren't necessarily this lucky to be in the region where their people had been for a very long time, which is really incredible. And I know how valuable and lucky we are for this. I think that's a great point. I mean, I love to hear that you're getting into education because I think what I saw, I guess what really um was powerful for me was to see all those different layers that you were hitting. Like it was like the sandwich stack. It wasn't just like It could have just been the exhibition and it was all these incredible artists put together in one room that and it could have been the end of that and that was it and it was incredible right but you added all these different layers and you kept building upon it because there was so much room for extension and growth in the experience and i think really powerful in that way and i applaud you and i appreciate it so much and sorry it's taking me so long to get this together but i really wanted to include this in the book that i'm writing because at the very end it's all about where are we going from here and i think the experience of the exhibition is a really good example of the growth in learning about culture and sharing culture, and also learning um, how it's changing with the folk as well, contemporary folk, and how their needs are very different from well, or even the uh, folk, the folk life society. <laughs> I think
1: well, changed and a lot. no, and. Um, no, I just thought because um, I definitely agree that like um, I've written also beyond just on the ancestry DNA, I've written about diversity objectives and multicultural learning outcomes from an anthropological perspective um, within like pedagogy and education. Um, and Dr. Donner really um, would challenge me sometimes and make me think and. Also, I enjoy being challenged because it also trains me to defend my points better. Um, But basically, Uh, I I had written about uh, why public education needs diversity objectives and multicultural learning outcomes, but that there are a plethora of resources and people within cultures who can be spokespersons from their own cultures. And like, it's not always appropriate for just one teacher to be the voice of the cultures or all all people and not even one person from a culture can be that voice. So um, he he asked me like, uh, what do you do? How do you force diversity or education about diversity into non-diverse populations? And I said, well, beyond the fact that non-diverse populations are probably in the most need of this training, I think diverse populations is different than diversity objectives and that multicultural learning outcomes should be considering the diverse population and the diverse objectives because like if we're only teaching about diversity where diversity is present then there's still pockets and gaps of information and so I think that's why it's like a public issue not just like a population by population issue and then i also wrote down jcc because it reminds me of a um, cross-cultural program that the a woman from my synagogue overheard me telling a man about the exhibition and said oh my goodness our seniors would love a program like that can you modify it for them so i took some of uh jen schlegel's honor students and we volunteered for their friendship circle and we presented about the cultural, it was basically cultural comparisons, Pennsylvania German studies versus Eastern European Jewish studies. And so um, we had, um, yeah, we had a little program and it was fun. And we also talked about just like symbolism within cultures and how their language symbols, and even just like artistic motifs that are shared between them. Because you know what's so
0: fascinating to Erica is you're probably teaching, teaching Dr. Donner a lot too, just by working with you. And you never have to stop learning or, or evolving or expanding. Um, And every person that you interact with can help you grow, you know? And I think I bet you he's as well learning so much from you too, because it's good to have those little, yeah. especially with somebody that can handle it. Those little tensions where you where you work something out together, and then yeah, getting really good at being able to defend your position. That was a really big part of grad school. And I'm a person with very high anxiety, and it was very difficult for me to have to de- defend myself constantly. But it did definitely have a huge impact on my confidence, and also just you know feeling like like I deserve a you know, a <laughs>
1: Oh no, Patrick and Patrick and I have talked a lot uh, at length about imposter syndrome, and yeah. like how how real it is, and like even though yeah. we have uh, accomplishments and successes, like beautiful children, like he he's a great writer, my writing is pretty good, you know, like sometimes you just. You you feel like you don't have experience and I, I think that's when the mentors around us yeah. um kind of like not not even that every time I'm feeling that way I need a talk or encouragement, but even like reflecting back and remembering on things they told me. Like I remember Dr. Yeah. Donner saying that no matter what advice he gave all of us in his senior SEM, um we would know what the right thing to do is. So I'm like, yeah, Dr. Donner. Dr. Donner already told me. I know exactly what to do.
0: That's so cool. See, because he's planted this seed too in your garden, and you can reflect back on that. That's so cool. And you know what's also really neat about grad school is I still go to my professors. We still have relationships because you're more, um, you're you're sort of like, on the same line, kind of like you're. Um, there's not this hierarchy anymore and they're talking to you like you're an equal and your ideas are valuable to them as well. And I still go to them sometimes because it was hard. I'll tell you, like when grad school was over, I was like, Oh my God, nobody's telling me what to do. I don't have like, cause I was, I had a very hard time organizing um, and, and setting a goal and seeing it through in general in my life. But i um, I would have a lot of different pots going, but that's one thing that was really neat about grad school. It helps me with focus, but, they're still there and they still want to support you which is really nice. So you'll probably have a lifelong relationship with Dr. Donner and Patrick, you know, no matter where you end up going which is really neat because they're both incredible people and very very giving and charitable. So that's very very cool.
1: I'm um I I mentioned a little earlier I'm happy that I get to continue doing some of my research for my undergrad And something that I did as an independent study this summer, which um, I took an incomplete and I'm carrying into here just because um, I don't know if you remember, I had the uh, cultural identity, cultural expression and ethnic identity survey that I um, sent out last year. And I got like around 600 respondents. So it was super intense, but also it's enough ethnographic data to support an independent study and I don't know if I'm going to do the thesis I might just do the grad seminar because I don't want to get tied up in graduation Um, and the research is there you know Uh, and the way I framed it is that I'm writing it as if I'm presenting a article for submission to a journal of research so um hopefully once i finish the um study which i'm gonna spend a lot of more time i was supposed to have a timeline closer to october but i feel like giving because when we're working with cultural studies especially Mm -hmm. there are people uh, involved especially all of the people who took the time and I don't want to only include part of the sample when I have all of this data so I know it's worth the extra time and effort to like carry it out and do because I think um like you said you've seen me kind of like really follow through with things and I think that's the one thing when I saw how many people were receptive to the survey I was like I have to do this and follow this through but also i have to give every single person the time and effort they deserve because i don't want one person's experience uh to go left unread and it might be meaningful in terms of how i interpret the results so um it's kind of like a balance between the worldly cultural perspective, but also like nurturing the individual experience and that anecdotal evidence.
0: Yeah. And that's so, that's so powerful too, to, to make that difference, to differentiate between the two, because it's like the care and concern for what you're conducting this, this research, I think speaks to me because I feel like you're such a teacher, like there's just that inherent and not that you're going to someday like be in a classroom or, you know, but just even, even when I'm vending events, I look at it as an opportunity to teach people things, you know? And there's those people that will just sit there and, like, not talk to anybody. my husband. And then there's people that nonstop talk. But I think that's what I see so valuable is that you're making connections that they're so beyond just surface. Like, what, what one would think of as, like, okay, well, now it's done. But you're, like, making extra connections. And that's making the work so much more valuable and so much more in-depth. And I wanted to just say also about um, teaching, like, the multicultural um, content in art, is I felt, like, kind of offended that it was, like, so I touch upon this subject, I give them this information, I throw it at them, but then, like, you're saying I'm checking off the box and taking care of this, and now I've added to their experience, and you're so right, and it's so, like, it's so much of a need, but, like, the need is actually the conversation that happens after the lesson, and, like, so what do you think about this and what does this make you feel like and actually, actually caring enough, which is what you're talking about with your research to follow through and give the care and the concern and the time. It's like, not everything needs to be sped up. Like, as far education, time. yeah, exactly. And yeah. that always really bothered me because I'm like, okay, so it was more public school, not their, their, their curriculum, not as much um, the art education curriculum that I was taught. But, like, okay, so you're doing one month for, um, like, for African American studies, you know, Black History Month is one month, and then you get to check that off, and then Women's History Month is one month, and you get to check that off, and then, like, you'll, like, throw in, like, a song about Hanukkah with the, Chris, with the Christmas songs, and, like, these are not the ways these things need to be approached and, like, absorbed, because I'm frustrated as a public school mom, but also having taught in public school, you know, this is not helping my kids connect to this culture or this experience. Like, you're just throwing this stuff and, like, checking it off, like, a very politically correct, like, okay, we've done this work now. But it's really so fake and, you know, so fraudulent, really. So i love to hear, you know, even just in working around you or, like, observing the way that you took this and took the time with it people you're teaching them that that extra time was valuable you know and I that's a really great lesson because I think at the end of the day like people just need to slow down and like be able to even with my kids you know even in a little mini lesson everything's just set up and it's just so frustrating Just like they can pretend that they get it and move on and that's all the teacher like looks for but you know did they really get it no
1: yeah kind of no story. well I I love that you said that they pretend that they get it and I I think that's yeah cultural studies is like, we we teach it, they pretend they get it or they pretend that they care and then we move on. Yes. But also I think um, the way it's done now is a disservice to the cultures we're trying to teach yes. about because yes. it gives people with maybe certain privileges license to use those ideas or use those motifs again without the context. And I this is a point that I... Uh, argued not so much with Dr. Donner, but with some of my other uh, colleagues in undergrad, was um, everybody viewing so, like, I like to make a distinction between cultural appreciation cultural appropriation versus cultural misappropriation. So yeah. I I like to think that cultural appreciation is when we're learning about something that's part of outside of our culture. We're contextualizing it and maybe not in its entirety, but in enough in a sense that we understand where its historical context is and we're using it appropriately and maybe maybe even with license from a token individual so like for instance a an outside speaker comes in and says this is how we would use this artistic motif in this and I think it's culturally appropriate as a cultural consult from this culture for you to use it and you're appreciating it and maybe you'll appreciate our culture from it then I feel like cultural appropriation is like okay, we're taking this culture out of context and using it in a new way. And maybe it's educational partly, but we're not really consulting people about it. And then cultural misappropriation is like, we're stealing somebody's traditional idea and we're capitalizing off of it. And so Uh, as like uh, a social scientist, I feel like I'm able to like compartmentalize these three different (laughs) ideas into like something that is like based on intent and care you know like where are we genuine about what we're doing and i think it's encouraging to also hear another like professional and educator also feel like there's something uncomfortable with the way that multicultural studies is being done now
0: yeah and i think when you said that about looking into um i forget what you called it but like basically rewriting the way that we're teaching this stuff it it spoke so intensely to me because going from you know undergrad studying and wanting to teach kids about art and these incredible artists to actually seeing how it's actually doing it in the classroom and how it's actually being presented and actually being just thrown at them, it's so disheartening. And there's and I keep saying to my husband, you know, COVID has done a lot of awful, awful things. But one thing that I think that it's done that's going to be a positive thing is this, the museum education system needed a shakeup. I mean, it needed to be revised. I'm afraid that what's going to happen is when this is kind of rolled over, it's just going to go back to the way it was. And I, I really hope not because there's been a mass exodus as far as our personal, um, um, our actual um, school district. A lot of people have gone to cyber charter because they're very frustrated with the situation, but it was so hard for me to actually had to leave the position because I was just like, I can't teach kids like this. I can't. I can't, like, fake this, and it just felt so disingenuous, and, you know, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to watch my own kids go through it, so I'm really excited to hear about the work you're doing, Erica, and that's very, it's so encouraging to know that it's on somebody's radar, and that I'm not the only one that saw this, and and I didn't have the words for it, and you speak about it so eloquently, I just knew the feeling, and I knew, like, this feels so disgusting, and, like, it just feels like it's, it's more offensive than it is, like, helpful, and it just felt, and I never really followed through with it, I kind of, you know, I find it silly, so I thought, you know, really, really awful, like, in an awful neighborhood that was so stricken with poverty, and it was like, these kids had never had art class, they're seventh and eighth graders, we had no supplies, and I'm like, you're telling me you want me to teach them x, y, and z, so I didn't, I just said, what do you guys want to do in art, like, what do you, left, what can we do that will really get you excited, because they had had zero experience so i'm going to go in there with just like with like my favorite artist frida and be like telling them all about frida and stuff and it's just like i think i wish i would see education where they're meeting kids first starting with like their cultural experience perhaps like regionally or like you know in some kind of like very tactile like like something that they can really connect to very possibly and then like moving on from there and it should be like a step system like, right now it's just such a
1: mess like let's well, Let's it's, it's funny
0: because
1: yeah, <laughs> it, It's funny because you said like the first approach should be asking kids where they're at and what where they are. And yeah. um, I found that being yeah. taught um, from an anthropological perspective, our easiest way to access cultural studies is to meet people where they already are and my perspective when i'm writing about diversity objectives and multicultural learning outcomes is that anthropology was a discipline that historically oppressed and marginalized groups of people and and cultures and was historically like oppressive and now it's a discipline that has um worked up social theory and is able to name problems and identify these gaps and it owes it back to the, yeah. um, communities to it, like, and so that's why I feel like I'm not necessarily, like, I'm probably not going to continue in for a PhD in anthropology, but, um, having an anthropological background definitely gave me a cultural right. lens when I look at the yeah. world. And that's something I'm learning about like the cultural political and the bureaucratic lens I'm learning about in right. one of my business classes now so it's it's nice being able so to cool. use this the, is a the framework handbook.
0: yeah it's like the framework yeah. that you see everything through like for example because of my education like I see everything through design and like aesthetic framework everything like everything's visual like everything okay so you're giving me this math information I have to teach my kids well we're going to make a chart and make a visual it's so fascinating, but one thing I wanted to also say quickly just about education is it was very hard, and I think our school district's doing a good job, and I've both had my kids at private school. I did a lot of, like, work with them at home, and then they're back in public. I found it really disheartening, and I think they were probably being told, if I know enough about the public school system, not to talk about this with the kids. Like, keep it, there's, like, a person, one person at our school that's in charge of social and emotional education. That's the person who gets to talk about it. There was not one conversation as they started virtual about, "Hi kids, I know this is very strange. It's okay to feel really sad about this. It's okay to feel like this is really strange and really frustrating. I'll be really frustrated, upset. All these feelings are okay. And how are you feeling? Not one damn time. And I was like, literally, what is going on? Because my like I'm such a teacher at heart that I was just like looking at all these kids and being like, and in my head like visually I'm spinning, spinning, spinning. All of these children." experiencing this and not being asked, like, or being told, because maybe they're not getting it home. Pretty sure, most likely, they're not getting it home. Parents are flustered and want to get them their best education, all they care about. And I'm just like, maybe they're not getting it home. It shouldn't be the teacher's job to be a psychologist, but like one moment, maybe like a two-minute speech. Like, this is all weird. It's weird for me. It's weird for you. Like, we're in this together. Let's have fun. Let's make the best of it. Not one time. Not one time. And I was like, Wow, and I know these teachers, and I know that's not their heart. They're being told not to say that. They're being told if you get into this, you're going to get parents complaints, blah, 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 blah. There's a person here at our school that's made to do that, and this is the problem with education, and this is why what you're saying is so exciting, and I'm really excited, Erica, to see what you do and see where you go with this. And I just, I love the way you speak about it because I feel it and I can see it, but I
1: never put it into words. So it's nice to have. Thank you. (laughs) No, and no, I like it really rounds out like our conversation and going back to the whole like your the leadership styles and no matter if we're talking about in the school or at a whatever level at the many levels there are there's passive versus active leadership and like when we wait for problems to arise uh, when we address them there's going to be countless and countless more problems than if we're like talking about things like the old saying an ounce of uh, a pound of an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of care right so yeah. but I, I just have more of the new new leadership style and less of the bureaucratic stuff yeah it's good
0: though to see it moving in that direction it's good you're getting support yeah um, I also teach at a Montessori school, and it's just so different. I'm sure they're starting tomorrow. I'm sure, like, most of their day will be centered around how they're feeling and making sure the community is strong and that there's there's a safe place for you here to talk about. how I miss they're crying. It's just, it's worlds of a difference. And, yes, um, you know, not everybody can go to a Montessori school. It's not public school. But, how can we get that to be more
1: balanced it's really it's really hard to watch but you know so. i feel i feel you and i feel with you i i truly do
0: has your has your son
1: started yet have you Yeah, school? he's so he's going to um in person at cuts town they have the older kids going um virtual and then they have the younger kids going face to face so um uh, it's he made the cutoff for kindergarten and i'm so glad that he's having the face-to-face experience and um he's really great about masking and washing his That's hands awesome. and um it's a little embarrassing though if we're at the market he'll be like those people are not six feet away from us <laughs> i'm like you need to relax, <laughs> please."
0: They're, they're like the they're like the quarantine please so um erica to wrap this up i just wanted to ask you one more thing unless you have other things to share but i wanted to ask you what are you working on right now and all this research is it going to end up in a book because i would like to buy the book and support
1: um, you? so i know i know the research project with pumpernickel bill which is like a, a few separate projects all coming together um It was talked about between it started as an internship for anthropology um and it was just an elective i needed and i was like where could i go and i noticed one of my classmates who graduated before me had worked at the historical society doing an internship so i made an appointment and he said I don't know if this is something you would be interested in, but here's a box of like 150 ink and pen cartoons from Pumpernickel Bill. And I've heard of Pumpernickel Bill. I knew that he was like an educational entertainer, um, but I didn't really know about it. I I can understand um, some Dutch and say basic phrases because I it's right. very similar to Yiddish. So I'm it's similar with Yiddish and i've so i was like okay i'll research this i'll make it a museum anthropology uh project and then the heritage center was like this is really cool we would definitely want to do a like collaborative publication um Um, i'm sure you know they're working on the milton hill book now so that that'll be done in the next annual publication So, I'm not sure whether or not it'll be a physical publication or Patrick has discussed because it's not only just the ink and pen cartoons, but then last summer he acquired from Pumpernickel Bill's house. I don't know how many hands in between, but um, the original zinc intaglio plates. So, um, I have, there's 1,200 of them. At like oh yeah so i have uh the second batch which is like maybe the 100 out of 200 that i'm working with so far and they have they go from anywhere from almost in perfect condition to very like weight corrosive flaking because um they were cleaned well so the so i'm learning Perfect. a lot about metals and printmaking and i think it's going to end so up cool. being not only conservation but a folk life project for me to actually do printmaking and then wow. um it might become a digital project a digital gallery um we'll remember that every plate corresponds to an article that pumpernickel Published in uh, the Morning Call, so I might uh, do a day by, and I don't know if I'll be, um, if I'll be. I don't know how long it'll take because it's definitely a long process. I know I'll definitely finish the conservation component by the time I'm finished with my program, but I'm not sure how long the printmaking and then the contextualization will take.
0: Yeah. It's really exciting though. Oh my goodness. We have a great college, great history of supporting the arts. And I'm just glad to see it continuing with really great ideas. But well, let me know if you need any help with that um publication. I would love to get my hands thank in there. That'd be really fun. Yeah, no, you thank you. And, and, and awesome. thank
1: you for thinking of me. I I uh, really had a good time.
0: I was very impressed and very excited and very thankful that you thought of us and had us be a part of it. So continue what you're doing. You're doing incredible work. Thank and you. I love seeing your work and your drive and, yeah, and-, and- that's a-
1: um, my sister, she recently moved into a new place. Um, she's a grant. She's a grant writer. so um, she's kind of like making her new step into the real world. and her first like piece of home decor was your Vosternich, uh sign. And then oh, she's so cool. yeah, she's uh, I think she's gonna end up getting, she, I think she just doesn't know if she's getting the black or white or the color for uh, Hunter's Phases of the Moon sign. So
0: excited that you're talking and he's doing a great
1: work, Erica. It was so nice to have you. Much. And I, I love Thank you, and you. I love your work. Thank you for having Thank you. me.